Did something or someone stir up the forces of evil? These days, it seems the powers of darkness are working overtime against the children of light. Is it possible to stand strong in your faith when the heat is on and the culture is coarse? Daniel possessed a rare blend of character, courage, and competence as he grew up in a pagan culture, later serving God as a high-ranking official in the Babylonian government. He outlasted kings, inspired friends, predicted the future, and escaped the lion's den. As the enemy prowls about like a roaring lion, remember, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Will you stand strong and dare to be a Daniel? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. When enemies come against you or try to harm you, their actions reveal their character. They can also reveal your own. Hello, welcome to this Wednesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for tuning in. Well, it's hard to get a good read on someone's character until they face adversity. That's when our true character is revealed. Today, Ron takes us to the book of Daniel to show us what genuine, godly character looks like. As always, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now, from his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Daniel, Standing Strong Until the End of the Age. Norman Schwarzkopf was a general in the United States Army who served uh, honorably during the Gulf War, some of you might remember. He was the commander of the United States Central Command. And years after the Gulf War, uh, General Schwarzkopf was invited to the United States Military Academy at West Point. He was a guest speaker there. And as you can imagine, his uh, subject was leadership. Uh, Schwarzkopf was an incredible leader and military leader uh, who rose to the rank of, uh, of general. He, he talked about military leaders over the years that he met who he said were very competent people. They were good at what they did, but they lacked character, he said. And he said to the uh, Corps of Cadets there, to lead in the 21st century to take soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coast guardsmen into battle, you will be required to have both competence and character. Oh, where are the Norman Schwarzkopf's today who are hitting the nail on the leadership head by talking about such things as competence and character? Somebody once said that character is who you are when nobody is looking. That's a pretty good definition, but I, I, I think it's... It's, it's lacking in some things because the truth of the matter is there is never a time when nobody is looking because God always has eyes on us. So I prefer Thomas Paine's uh, definition of character. He said, reputation is what men and women think of us. Character is what God and angels know of us. So let me ask you a question. What does God know of you today? What do the angels of heaven understand about you when nobody else is looking? 
Those may be tough questions, but they're important questions, especially as we begin a study of the book of Daniel, which is our next stop on the ultimate road trip uh, through the Bible. Daniel is one of these men in the Bible who was esteemed by both earth and heaven. Not a negative thing said in the Bible about Daniel. He was a man of character. He was a man of competence. His competency took him all the way to a high-ranking position in a foreign government. But he was also a man of courage. Let's get to know Daniel a little bit. Uh, Famously, he was from a noble family, and he was among the Hebrew youths, those uh, youths without blemish, the Bible says, that King Nebuchadnezzar took captive to Babylon in 605 B.C., Uh, The king placed Daniel and his three friends, remember these, Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you're a VeggieTales fan, Rakshak and Benny, all right, friends of Daniel. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, a tyrant in his day, seized these Hebrew youths, brought them back to uh, Babylon, and uh, put them in his royal training program. Because according to chapter 1 and verse 4 of the book of Daniel, they were of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's court and in his palace. Nebuchadnezzar's goal was to make loyal Babylonians out of these uh, Hebrew youths, the most gifted and talented youths he could find among the Jewish captives. Now, how did he accomplish this? <laughs> well, it's a study in the way tyrants do it in every generation. First, he attacked their homeland and stole the articles of worship from the treasury in Jerusalem, placing them in pagan Babylonian temples. Then Nebuchadnezzar soaked Daniel and his friends in Babylonian culture, and he gave them an elite Babylonian education. The king also changed their diet. He mandated their meals, turning them from kosher Jewish meals to delicious food from the king's table, prepared by the best chefs in Babylon. I mean, who could resist that? Finally, he changed their identity by giving them Babylonian names. The name Daniel literally means God is my judge. That's a pretty good name, isn't it? But the king's commander uh, named Daniel Belshazzar after one of the Babylonian gods. And the name Belshazzar means, may Bel protect my life. Daniel's three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, actually those are the names, they're Babylonian names that were given to them as well and they referred to the Babylonian gods. This is the playbook, listen to me friends, this is the playbook that tyrants use in every generation. And we see it unfolding even In our generation, think about the playbook, the attack on religious liberty, the indoctrination of young people. Hitler had a youth program just like Nebuchadnezzar did. And and we, we see the indoctrination of young people through the seizing of education. Mandates. Nebuchadnezzar mandated their meals. And then finally, he confused their identity. He changed their names. We have today what I call gender delusion and identity confusion being introduced into our culture today. This is the playbook that tyrants use in every generation and it dates all the way back to the time of Daniel and to Nebuchadnezzar. Wake up America, wake up world to what's happening right before our very eyes. But oh, the example of Daniel the assault upon his 
uh, Jewish religion and his culture did not change him one bit. In fact, his godly character emerges in chapter 1, and it really sets the course for his brilliant career and his brilliant future. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs, he didn't demand, he asked to allow him not to defile himself. Wow. This is why we love Daniel so much. This is why we say to young people, dare to be a Daniel. Daniel was a teenager at this time. He resolved in his heart. The conviction in his heart was, I will not be bullied by the tyrant. And I will not worship and bow down to their gods. Well, three cheers for Daniel. Daniel continued to impress his Babylonian educators, and in time, he proved to be a competent administrator. And like Joseph in the Old Testament, he he rose to a high-ranking position in a foreign government and served there for his entire life. Daniel is a godly man in a godless culture. It's really possible to do if you hold true to your convictions and stand strong on your faith. You don't need to be rude about it. Daniel was never rude. He had an excellent spirit. He was kind and gracious, but he stood his ground, and so should we. Daniel's life and ministry spanned the entire 70 years of Babylonian captivity and continued even after the Medes and the Persians overcame Babylon in 539 BC. He served during the reigns of four kings, two of which were Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar followed by Belshazzar, and then two Persian kings, Darius and Cyrus. He outlasted these kings and served in an exemplary way. Uh, We love the book of Daniel also because it contains uh, many profiles of uh, courageous faith, and um, starting with uh, a story about Daniel's three friends, uh, Rakshak and Benny, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3. His three friends refused to bow down to the king's image at the risk of being thrown into the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar built this image and told everybody to worship it. It was his image. He gave them two options, bow or burn. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to trust Yahweh, to put their trust in God, Uh, even if that meant they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. They said, you know, if it is the Lord's will to deliver us, he will. But if not, we'd rather burn than bow. Uh, What courageous faith these three young men have. And um, uh, the king was furious with their stand, and he he heated up the furnace, the Bible says, seven times more than it was usually heated, and he tossed these three young men into the fire. And then suddenly, um, the Bible says, a fourth man appeared in the fire, a mysterious fourth man who was walking around in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The question is, who is the fourth man in the fire? No, it wasn't Johnny Cash, the country singer. Although Johnny Cash sang a great song, did he not, called the fourth man in the fire. Some of you are saying, who is Johnny Cash? Google him. Get to know him. He's a great country singer of bygone years, the fourth man in the fire. But it wasn't Johnny Cash. It was probably an angel of the Lord, or better yet, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine heaven being so 
intrigued and enthralled by these young men that Jesus Christ appears in the fire with them. The king was astonished. He looked in there and said, I thought we only threw three of these guys in the first. Who's the fourth man in the fire? And he called to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they emerged from the fire. The Bible says, not a hair on their head was singed. There was no smell of smoke in their clothing. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed, he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because their God had protected them. Listen, when you take a stand, when you take a stand, don't fear losing your job. You might get a promotion, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good radio message, Daniel, standing strong until the end of the age. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage, then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Daniel was a man of character and a man of courage. Even when his very life was threatened, he never backed down from his faith in God or from walking in obedience to his commands. Here's Dr. Ron Jones with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Daniel, standing strong until the end of the age. Well, there's another demonstration of courage and valor found in chapter five. This is when Daniel spoke truth to a shameless but powerful king who uh, invited a thousand of his lords to a party. It was a, it was a drunken fest that uh, uh, rivaled a college fraternity kegger. Yeah, you can read about that in chapter 5. When a mysterious hand began writing on the palace wall, the king turned pale and, and uh, called for Daniel to come interpret the cryptic message. Mene, mene, tekel, apsharen. What, what, what did it mean? Uh, it, it, it put fear in King Belshazzar's heart. Well, Daniel held nothing back. He knew that if he said something that upset the king, it could mean his execution. But he spoke truth to power, courageously. And he told drunken King Belshazzar the meaning of the message, told it to his brazen face. He was found lacking, his days were numbered, and the kingdom would be taken from him. What do you think a king's going to do with a message like that? Well, he actually promoted Daniel. <laughs> Surprisingly, he received the message. Promoted Daniel to the third rank in the kingdom. Can you believe that? And the Bible goes on to say that that night, Belshazzar was killed according to the prophecy, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. This was the shift from the Babylonian Gentile kingdom to the, to the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. After Darius assumed the throne, he appointed 120 satraps to help him lead the kingdom, and then he appointed three trusted men to lead the leaders. And guess who was among the three trusted men? Daniel. Daniel, because the Bible says he had an excellent spirit. I take that to mean he was not only a man of character and competence, but you know, Daniel just had a good attitude. Attitude is everything, isn't it? Just an excellent spirit. He, he stood his ground. He drew his line in the sand. He held to his convictions. 
but not in a rude way that rubbed people wrong. Otherwise, he would have never been promoted into the kingdom in this foreign land. But he was a man of excellent spirit. Uh, By chapter 6, Daniel now is a senior statesman who has distinguished himself at every stage in his life. But there were some who were jealous of Daniel in his promotion. And uh, they made plans to accuse him. But chapter 6 and verse 4 tells us they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because Daniel was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Again, this is what we love about Daniel, isn't it? Man of competence. He could do the right things, but he was a man of character and he did things right. You know, he, he, he was always a, um, a man of character and conviction. One of the few people in the Bible with such an exemplary record is Daniel. When Daniel's enemies could find no fault in him, well, they devised a scheme to accuse him according to his religion. They knew Daniel was a man of prayer, and that's a study in and of itself, is to study the prayers of Daniel. He was a man of prayer. His practice was to pray three times a day. He would go back to his home, open up his window to face Jerusalem, and pray. And um, they knew this, and so they got with Darius the king, and they said, hey, king, we got, we got an idea here. Uh, you, you need to establish a decree, a law that says that anybody who, who prays or entreats anybody but you, the king, should be thrown into the lion's den. king thought that was a pretty good idea. They had no idea that, or he had no idea that they were conspiring against Daniel. Uh, they told him, let's uh, establish the law. Have you ever heard of this? According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which means the law cannot be revoked. They walked away with the law, put into legislation, and when Daniel heard about the law, it didn't faze him one bit. He just uh, continued his daily prayer ritual by opening his window toward Jerusalem. Of course, uh, this was what they were looking for, a reason to accuse him. But Daniel's defiance of the law that limited his religious freedom led him to being thrown into the lion's den, which saddened King Darius because he respected Daniel. He had promoted Daniel to a very high-ranking position. And you know the story. God miraculously shut the mouths of the lions. It's, it's, it's the quintessential story in uh, the book of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel testified to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Again, no wonder we love Daniel. An exemplary character, a man of great competence, courageous, standing strong, but I say standing strong (laughs) to the end of the age because um, uh, there's more to Daniel and to this book that bears his name. Through Daniel, God gave his people gripping glimpses into the future, Bible prophecies, Uh, Any study of Bible prophecy must include Daniel's divine visions and and what I call the mysteries of Babylon that are contained in uh, in this fantastic book. Uh, Of course, chapter 1 is an introductory chapter that sets forth uh, Daniel's exemplary character in historical context. Interestingly enough, uh, just so you're aware, the language switches 
in chapter 2. It's written in Hebrew in chapter 1, but in chapter 2 through chapter 7, it shifts to Aramaic. And it's during that time that we receive uh, sweeping prophecies concerning the times of Gentile rule. We'll come back to that in a moment. Then in chapters uh, uh, 8 through 12, uh, Daniel returns to his native language, to the Hebrew language, to discuss Israel's future to the end of the age. And so what we have in the book of Daniel, besides these stories of uh, courageous faith and character and competence and all of that, we have the many prophecies in Daniel where God demonstrates his sovereign rule over the kingdoms of the world. Nebuchadnezzar learns this the hard way in chapter 4, the time that the king goes insane. He steps out on his balcony and he looks over Babylon, which was the superpower of that time, and he says, look what I've done. And God yeah, shows him a thing or two. Prideful King Nebuchadnezzar. But through all of these prophecies, two of which we'll look at in detail in just a moment, God demonstrates his sovereign rule over the kingdoms of this world. Let's go to chapter 2 for a moment. Chapter 2, we find that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has a disturbing dream. Now he's not sleepless in Seattle in uh, chapter 2. He's sleepless in Babylon. He has this dream that awakens him. He does what a king would do when he has a dream. He calls together his magicians and his sorcerers and his enchanters, and he says, guys, interpret the dream for him. Tell me what my dream was, then interpret the dream. And they failed. They couldn't do it. And then they called Daniel in. And the Lord had given Daniel a night vision. Daniel saw the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And he asked for some time, very kindly, very graciously, asked for some time to come back with the interpretation. And when he does, he explains to King Nebuchadnezzar about this massive statue that appeared in the king's dream. From head to toe, the statue was made of gold, then silver, then bronze, and down at the legs, it was made of iron. During the dream, suddenly a stone flies out of nowhere, like a Nolan Ryan fastball. Smashes into the base of the statue at the feet. Uh, just, just, just picture in your mind those planes flying into the Twin Towers in New York City. And moments later, they're crumbling to dust. This is what happened in Nebuchadnezzar's dream with the statue. Down through the ages, every empire has eventually fallen, but the kingdom of God will never be overthrown. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Daniel, standing strong until the end of the age. Today's message is part of Ron's series called Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. You can listen on demand using the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. And as you may know, Something Good Radio exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And when you donate this month, Ron will say thank you by giving you his new ebook that goes along with this series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is ebook number four of eight in the series based on the five major prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah through Daniel. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. It used to be years ago, it was hard for us as, as students of the Bible to envision people on earth that were so gullible that they would just say yes to the Antichrist. It's not hard anymore because in some sense we're being conditioned for this. The mandates, the, the chaos will take care of you. We don't know how close we are to the end of the age. We're in the last days, technically, of Bible prophecy, which started at the birth of Christ and goes all the way up you know, to the second coming of Christ. How close we are to the final days of the last days, we don't know. But you see the conditioning, the conditioning happening. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Daniel, standing strong into the end of the age. Join us then for something good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.